Wow. What an intro. Thanks, church. Welcome to church today. As uh, Rich might have told you and you heard, my name's Howie, but that's not all true. <laughs> my actual name is Ryan Matlock Howland. Yes, Matlock. Some of you get that. Like, that's the, the show, right? Back in the day. I see some heads nodding. Um, I got that nickname when I was in the Coast Guard. Uh, there were some Ryans and Bryans, and they were just like, we don't want another Ryan. Let's give this guy another name. Um, <clears throat> my wife is here in the front holding my little baby girl. Her name's Kim Howland. And um, her nickname is actually Supermom. And uh, we make pretty amazing human beings together. <laughs> As you can see on the, the picture, Luke is behind me. He's nine. Brody's on the left of Kim. He's eight. Um, Audrey's right in front of me there. A little Spitfire Sparkler girl right there. She's five. And Emmy, our little baby girl, is three. <clears throat> I love my family. They're cool. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about this church, CTK Ferndale, where you're at right now. Um, <clears throat> they put their money where their mouth is. They talk about intentional relationships, how you're going to grow in your faith. It's not by a Bible study where you just get taught to and people are standing up here talking to you. It's through investing in people, and it's by intentional relationships where you develop over time, and then you can feel free to just, like, talk about your stuff together, right? Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Um, this church <clears throat> decided that we were going to go this direction because we knew it was right. Rich put some t a team together of people, and he just said, this is what I'm feeling. And every single one of us were like, yes, this is what I was feeling too. This is what I feel like is missing, this idea of investing in people, people being the priority over programs. That's not like Eric Young, PPP, right? Like, that's right. Uh, <clears throat> and so um, I used to serve in student ministries, and I'm currently on the council here, and I'm just, I'm excited and humbled to be standing here and sharing my heart, sharing something I really think is really cool, and God's pretty awesome because he put this part of the creed for me, which just is what I'm all about, so I love it. So hang on, we're going to get going. <clears throat> Um, my story kind of starts in the Coast Guard, like I said, which is probably the second second best service out there. No, you're right. You're right. It's the best. It is the best. Definitely the best the service out there. You, you got me. Um, and I was like a typical 21-ish year old male guy out there. I love to hang out with my friends. I love to go party on the weekends, barbecues, like going out to the clubs, like all that stuff. It was a super fun time. I had a good time doing that stuff. But I always felt like there was just a little something missing. I didn't wake up sad or wake up crying about whatever, but you just knew there was something in you that was just not whole. Like you just weren't whole about it. So my friends and I would joke around. We'd say, hey, you know, it's Saturday night when you're out getting the adult beverage. And you say, hey, maybe we should go to church tomorrow. That'll make us feel better. And we all laugh like, ha, <laughs> And so um, <clears throat> I met this girl and she basically said, if anyone's, I'm going to date anybody, they need to be a Christian or they need to be pursuing that. And so I'm like, when's the service? Like, let me know. I'll come. Like, I'm friendly. Like, let's, let's go. So um, uh, I went to church expecting wood pews and, like, a preacher, like, angry, spitting. Ah, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You know, like, I was like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with this, but we'll see what happens. And I show up at CTK Bellingham, 
and they got coffee. They got people in sweatpants, backwards hats, comfortable seats with cup holders, and a preacher with a different waterworks from the stage. Yeah. No spitting, but yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, emotional, right? Uh, which was amazing to me. I sat here like, I, I can do this. Like, I can come to this. I can, I can try this again. Like, I can do this again. So um, <clears throat> I decided to just figure out a little more, ask some questions, and someone introduced me to a class called Alpha. Anyone's ever heard of Alpha? It's kind of like a real beginner, basic, Christian, like, ask questions type of class who was run by this amazing couple named Anna and Rick Campbell, which I believe still run it. Yeah, they still run that. That was 15 years ago or whatever. And but they are awesome. They invested in me through that little time. Like, they invested in everybody. But I think I was special. I got, like, some extra. I played golf with Rick at Simiamu. Like, he invested with me. Like, we had a good time. And they just kind of, they let me, they let me understand, like, I could ask these questions, and it was okay, and they didn't look at me funny. And so it, it really helped my journey. After a little bit of Alpha, I realized, like, Jesus is real. This isn't a joke. Like, he's legit. And these people here are legit. And, and people are, like, God, God was pursuing me through this. <clears throat> so I decided to give my life to Christ. Powerful. You guys remember your time. Like, it, for me, it was so powerful. I cried like a baby. Like, I've never cried that hard in my life. Snot. Like, it was, it was nuts. But it was so powerful. <laughs> TMI. Uh, and then uh, I kind of knew the next step in my journey, in, in like the Christian journey, was baptism. I didn't necessarily understand what it was. Like I know you water and you go in and go out, but uh, you can see some pictures. Sometimes it looks a little weird. People in white robes and like it's just. So I just I knew it was next, but I didn't really understand what that meant, what was going to happen. So I talked it over with Ann and Rick and, and my girlfriend at the time, and just said like, "What is this next step?" So I learned about it, got the opportunity to do it. I think I was the second set, first or second set in the new worship center at Bellingham. I was going in there. And um, I decided to go for it. So I got baptized, which was a great experience, too. I had friends and family around and come out of the water hugging people. Like, they don't care. You're wet. They're just like, giving them a hug. And it was awesome. <clears throat> and then um, my girlfriend left. She, uh, she, went, she went away, and she kind of took that connection to the Christian community that I had with her. Now, I had people, actually a couple right here in the front, but I played softball with, and they were there, but I had to go to them. I didn't want to do it. I was like new, raw, fresh. I didn't understand what I was supposed to do next. I had some people in my life, but I had to, like, go reach out to them and go get it, and I didn't want to do it. It was scary to me. So I kind of went back to what I knew, my buddies, old school life, you know, what I knew, what was comfortable to me. Um, <clears throat> I was felt like I, like I was left following Jesus alone. I don't know if any of you feel like that, ever felt like that. Maybe you feel like that right now. <clears throat> Maybe you've chosen that. Maybe you actually prefer, like, the solidarity of just you and Jesus. But I'm going to tell you that this culture we live in doesn't help us either. Like, it's kind of a, yeah, great, go to church on Sunday. It's cool if you're a Christian. Go home, be with your family. But it's kind of like, just keep that separate from what everyone else gets to see. And I don't know if I, 
when you when you when you sit in the in in the audience and you listen to a preacher talk and then he has a story that like matches perfectly with his message, like sometimes I'm like, really, is this a real story or are you kind of making this stuff up? But it happened to me. It literally happened to me. So I'm like, sorry for all that doubting I did for you guys. But seriously, last night <clears throat> I'm sitting at Hagen eating dinner with my family. My wife was gone, so we went out for a little treat at Hagen, and um. My littlest girl, Emily, was singing, um, God is bigger than the boogeyman. You guys know that? God's bigger than the boogeyman and something on TV and like this whole, she knows about 10 or 15 words of it and she's kind of singing it. And she's not loud, but she's loud enough that if you were next to us, you'd hear it. And this guy's kind of walking around the table. Audrey looks up and goes, Emmy, shh. She's like following him around like, there's a guy. And I'm like. He's just going to eat. Like, I don't know what's going on. And so then Emily starts to sing a Drake song. <laughs> I know, I know. It's Kiki, Do You Love Me? Like, that's the phenomenon. Yeah, Luke, break it out. Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? Yeah. So anyway, so she just knows the first, like, 10 or 15 words of that somehow. And so she starts singing that. And Audrey looks and goes, yeah, no, that's okay. And I kind of look at her, and I'm like, sweetheart? Why can she sing Kiki, Do You Love Me, but not God is Bigger Than the Boogeyman? She's like, I don't know. But something inside of her made it seem like it wasn't okay to sing that. Go ahead with the pop culture or this little thing about God, even though we're just, I mean, there's not even many people around. It just kind of like made me think, gosh, that is the culture. That's kind of what we're, we're, we're stuck into the whole we're in, is a culture saying, do it on your own. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to really talk about it much about it, but we'll talk about it later. Um, this summer, we've been going through um, and unpacking the Apostles' Creed. Uh, the Creed is a universally unifying statement of Christian faith. It helps us understand that we are not created to follow Jesus alone. The Creed talks about unity. My section of the Creed is we believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Baptism has a purpose for everyone, not just the person getting baptized. It's a unifying act where we can come together as a church body and celebrate the person that's getting baptized and remember our story, remember our baptism story. And then every baptized believer that's sitting out there is unified, coming together in one to support this person that, guess what? They weren't created to follow Jesus alone either. That's going to be on us. Baptism is Jesus' command. It's an example that he set. It's a public declaration of your new life in Christ. And we, to be unified, we believe in full water baptism, where you are going down, fully dunked, under the water, getting rid of your old life, coming up new and clean again. Like, that's what it is. But with that, the person getting dunked, it's a time to celebrate. Like, they're celebrating. We should be celebrating right there with them. We should be excited. I know we've done some baptism service, and it's, it's pretty on fire in here when we do baptism service. People are jacked. The music is going. Like, the Holy Spirit is just running through here, and it's, it's amazing. But it's also the person getting baptized it's, it's their call for help. It's their call that needs support. 
and, and unity. They want to be unified. They want to be just with us. For the pe- people that are already out there, it's a time to, to remember, like I said, your, your baptism, and it's a time to <clears throat> support them. And not just on the day that they get baptized. It's when they come back next week, have a conversation with them, see how it's going. And when they come back the week after that, do it again. Don't let them come in here and be by themselves in the back corner, front corner, wherever it be, and just go through this alone. Because like I said, we're not created to do this alone. Jesus didn't intend for any of us to do this alone. I want to break down the creed a little bit more. The we believe in one, not like the singular one, like the singular Super Bowl that the Seahawks have won, not that one. Come on, you give a a microphone to a diehard Niner fan, it's going to happen, right? Okay. We're talking about the one that's like unity, like together in one, like people coming together. And what does that mean? We're unified by a shared common belief. Holy Christian, Jesus makes us holy, and Christian means follower of Christ. So now we're one together, we're believers, together as one, sharing a common belief following Christ, being holy, being made holy by Jesus. And then we have apostolic, which I didn't actually know what that really meant. I've heard the word and whatever before, but it breaks down to apostle, and apostle breaks down to sent one, like the sent one. So we are now together holy, believing in one thing, followers of Christ, and being sent. We're being sent to tell our story. Here I am. I'm standing here telling you my story. I'm telling you this. And Jesus works through our stories. There's a verse in Ephesians 4, 3 through 6, and it says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body, one Spirit, just as you you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Like, that sounds like unity. Like, that's, that's good. Like, so good, so nice. I'm going to read it twice. Let's do it again. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you have been called to the one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Now, unity comes from what I like to call a pass down, generation to generation pass down. Like I said, I was in the Coast Guard, and we had to do a pass down every time the duty section changed. So I have a friend, his name's Terry. He's actually over there. I'm going to say, hi, Terry. He said, hey, Terry. So Terry would come in, and he would say, hey, Howie, how's it going? I'd say, I'm good. How are you? He'd say, I'm good. I'm here. I said, all right, let's talk. So we'd have to talk about what happened while I was on shift. So he's off, hanging out. I'm on shift. And he'd talk about it. And, we'd, and I'd say, look, this is how many guns are in here. This is how much ammo's here. This is the kid that called in sick. This is how much we got of the floors waxed. This is what's going on. And I always, we always had to make sure we were passing all the information down, like crucial pieces of information like, hey, 
this is the boat that another bosun's mate broke again. Terry's a bosun's mate. And uh, like, yeah, they broke another boat, so don't use this, okay? Use something else. Here's the ready boat. Here's what you do. Now, that is like mission-critical, life-saving work. Imagine if Beck and Josiah are out in the water looking at the luminescent stars in the water, and their boat breaks, you know? They're going to want to call the Coast Guard. They're going to need some help. But if I didn't let Terry know what's going on and they jump on the broken boat, like, that's not good for them. Our work to pass down information from generation to generation is more mission critical, life important than this. Like we're talking about eternal life. Psalms 145.4 says, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. Like that's generation to generation passed down, explaining what's going on, telling people what you've experienced. Look, this is how God was amazing in my life. This is what I learned. This is how cool it is. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to know everything. You have your story. God made that story for you. That's what you tell people, and that's what they can learn from. The leadership of this church, Rich, the council, myself, believe the same thing. We held a uh, young leaders forum that had 10 to 15, 20 to under 30-year-olds in that 20 range. And the point was to just to confirm, to make sure what we were doing and what we believed in as leadership of the church was something that was we were supposed to be doing, that other people wanted. And so we talked to these kids, these young leaders, and we kind of asked them on their hearts of the generational gap, their hearts for Christ and what discipleship kind of is for them. And it was a really impressive time. Like to hear their hearts for stuff was I didn't expect anything going into it, but it was really nice to hear what they had to say. But the coolest thing is they almost all, every single one of them shared this common theme, and it was relationships. They didn't come to church on their own, walking by, seeing a building. Oh, hey, maybe I should go to church. They were invited by a friend, someone they knew, someone they trusted, someone they had built a relationship with. That's who brought them here. And the other common theme that was really good was they all said they felt like they belonged, like quickly. They didn't walk in and feel like, oh, man, you're just this young kid. Like, okay, hey, nice to meet you. Go sit in the back, like millennials, uh, you know, whatever. It was, they felt like they belonged, and they just dove right in. When, you're, when you are asked out of relationship and you feel like you belong, like you will stand up on a Sunday and preach to people even though you've never done it. Like you'll follow that. Um, my story doesn't stop with following Jesus alone. Hopefully you can tell that by now. But um, I had a sent one came to me, my apostle. Uh, Many of you might know him. His name's Sam Middlebrook, CTK Bellingham worship guy, probably a while back. But he was my apostle. He came at a time that God knew I needed him. And we would hang out, eat Taco Bell, like the Taco Bell packs, the 10 or whatever packs of tacos, and play video games in the church all night. Like 8 a.m., 8 p.m., midnight, 1 a.m. Sam never liked to leave losing, so we were there a lot. <laughs> a long time. <laughs> Many times. 2 a.m., prayer warrior coming out of the prayer room, comes in. 
like, you guys are still here playing video games? Yes, Jesus loves you. And we're, we're going to go play whatever game. Like, okay, I'm leaving now. Like, okay. And so we'd be there for a long time. But I needed that. I needed to see that not only just a guy, but a pastor, which is kind of someone I used to kind of like put on this pedestal. They know more than me. They're more important than me. They're more holy than me. This guy's eating Taco Bell with me playing video games. Like till 2 a.m. Like it was, it, was, it was one of the things I just needed. And then Sam got to show me what it was like to be a Christian man, a Christian father, a Christian husband, a Christian friend, what all that entailed. And he taught me by showing me. Um, I think the way to teach best is to, by doing, by showing. And they say you, it's caught, not taught. You see that. That's my opinion. That's what Sam did for me, and that's what I needed. There is a verse that we say a lot around here, and I'm going to say it again because I think it is important. It's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's good. I mean, I love that verse, those verses. Uh, Matthew 20, which is that teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments. That's the next step. Like, that's generation passed down. We're helping people understand generations, or through the generations, we're helping under, people understand God. Um, there, the way I do that is through my quad. Um, I have a quad, which is basically four people getting together, talking about Jesus, doing life together. My wife does a quad. Ladies, guys, like it's it's the way to grow, and it's the way that we can pass down this information, and it's the way that we can teach other people, and because it's through relationships. It's not just a one-on-one or a class where there's 15 people and one in- instructor. It's, it's intentionally investing in people's lives. There's a gentleman named Robert Coleman, who's kind of the pioneer, a, a pioneer in the modern discipleship movement. And he says, making disciples will be slow, tedious, painful, and probably unnoticed by people at first. But the end result will be glorious, even if we don't live to see it. We must decide whether we want our ministry to count. In the momentary applause of popular recognition, or in the reproduction of our lives in a few chosen people who will carry on the work we've done. Like, that's it. That's what we're called to do. Does it sound easy? Not for me. Like, does it sound kind of tough? Like, yeah, I look at that slow, tedious, painful. Like, that doesn't sound easy. But the best part is we're not called to do it alone. Jesus is yearning. Like, he's there wanting us to come to him. Say, God, right, God, come help me. Come show these guys. Come help me to disciple these people. Come help me to make your word true. And he's just there waiting for you to do that. So what can you do? Here's some next steps. Grab that blue connection card in there. If you're interested in getting baptized, grab that card. If you want any info on it, maybe you were just waiting for someone to come up here and mention the word baptism. Here it is. Fill it out. I will contact you. You fill it out. I'll be the one that contacts you, and we can talk about baptism and get more into my story, and we can chat. 
encourage the Christians you know that have given their life but haven't been baptized to come celebrate that. Come celebrate it with you. Come celebrate it. Maybe do it together. Don't choose to follow Jesus alone. Connect outside of Sundays. Sundays have a great place in the church. I get to see so many people. I get to say hi and how's it going to so many different people. But if you just stop there, it can't stop there. You've got to go outside of Sundays to really build a relationship. Ask God. Pray. Pray. Pray about it. I did it. It worked again. God doesn't let you down. I prayed for my quad. You know who's in my quad? Paul. Thanks a lot for leaving, buddy. <laughs> now we're a trio. We're going to have to come up with a new name. Like, I don't even know what to do. And I prayed about it. And I had a few guys in, in, in mind that I thought, and he just, nope, not those. These guys. You know who else is in my quad? Clark. All the way in the back, hanging out. And he was here supporting me for this. Paul said, I'm going to be on sound for you today, dude. I'm like, sweet. And Brian, he's not here. He's at the first service. But those guys are my support. But I had to pray about it. And I went up and found each one of them. Clark and I worked together, so I got to talk to him. Dude, he's like, I just want to be connected more, intentional. Let's go. And I said, let's do it. He said, okay, easy. Paul? I had to convince Paul. I had to throw down, like, vision. And so I had to convince Paul. But once I did, he was on board. Because Jesus told me, like, no, go after Paul. This is the guy you want to go for. So pray about it. It works. And don't let, it, don't let others follow Jesus alone. Be there. Be their support. Find those people out there. Be willing. <clears throat> be willing to invest yourself in others so they can carry on the crucial work of discipleship. When I mean willing, I mean vulnerable. I mean open. I mean take a step of faith. Go out and say, you know what? I'm not 100% sure how to do this, but I was praying about it, and God told me you should be in my quad. Like, we should do this together. What do you think? I've been pretty surprised at how many people are like, yes, yes, that sounds great. This idea, that sounds great. Don't be afraid to hear what they have to say. Like, people can drop some bombs on you that you're not expecting, but know that God's going to help you work through it. You also, if that's the space you're in, that's great. If you're in the space where you want to be discipled, you have to be willing to be discipled, which is almost the same thing. Be vulnerable. Be open. Be honest. Tell your stuff. Don't be afraid. Talk to them. Talk to your people. And don't forget, you're not created to follow Jesus alone. They weren't created to follow Jesus alone. We are not created to follow Jesus alone. Will you guys pray with me? God, <clears throat> I thank you that you did not create us to do this alone. I thank you that you have gave us the example um, of doing this with other people, doing life with other people. I pray you just help people to walk out of here thinking about where they're at, to take that next step forward, whether it's to say yes to being discipled, say yes to be willing to disciple someone. Yes, to starting a, a quad or journey, a small group. I just pray that you help them to realize what it is that you want them to do. Speak with them. Give them the people in their lives that they need to talk to. If it's to get baptized, I pray you put it on their heart. 
pray help them not to be scared to just mark a little box in the blue piece of paper and get a phone call from me later. I thank you for this church that supported me, that discipled me, that helped me to be here, given a message from you, God. I thank you that we got through this together. So, God, we just thank you for how much you love us and how much you care for us, God. We love you so much. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.